Welcome back. We are talking about intuition this time. Um, Colin, do you mind just telling us why we're talking about this topic? Why have you chose a topic about knowledge that seems to be there already? Well, I, I have a number of questions about intuition because I think that there is conflict, isn't there? And the conflict that I see quite a lot of is that many people already know the answers to things, but why do they do things differently? So if I know the answer to something already, I, I have this kind of like, I knew that, I knew that already. And, but you go off and do something completely and utterly different. Why do you do this thing that's actually different rather than actually do what you know and you really knew would, you know, you should be doing in the first place? Does that make sense? So the, the, uh, quite a lot of cases I see, I see quite a lot of case studies at the moment. I see a number of people and we end up talking about lots of different things, often relationships, often situations that are that are kind of manifesting themselves in a particular way and you know there's a lot of trouble and I turn around and said well actually you really knew that this was always going to be this way didn't you and they turn around and said yes but something overrides that something overrides the knowing that we've got and that's the thing that interests me is the battle between we actually know many things and a number of patients that I see, a lot of clients that I see, they know a lot, but something overrides that. Something they doubt that immediately, that knowing, that point of actual knowing something. And so I wanted to discuss intuition today because firstly, is it that all of us have intuition? Is it that we're all intuitive? Is it that we have that ability or is it a special ability? Is it something that comes from experience? Is it something that comes from life? Is it something special? Is it something divine? What does the Western medicine say about it? And what does yoga say about it? And that's what I want to investigate because I keep coming up against this again and again with people who just, you know, they, they, they keep finding themselves in situations where, you know, we're talking through a situation and I'll say, you know, you, you talked about this with me several months ago and you knew, you absolutely knew how this was going to play out. Why? Why have we wasted all this time? Why have we got to this point? Are we going to repeat these same cycles again? And that's why I'm interested in intuition. So you're interested in how how it comes about and also how when we listen to our intuition and act accordingly, kind of instinctively what we're doing. And sometimes when we don't instinctively go along with our intuition mm -hmm. and the battle that's in between. And I think I think I think my question about intuition really is where where is it? Because I, I I think most of us have it or everyone has it. it it's a it's if you look into a more Asian philosophy, it seems to like Plato seems to have more of a agreement that intuition is something a pre-existing knowledge that is within almost like in the soul that is 
of eternity is a phenomenon that is becoming conscious of pre-existing knowledge. So you almost talked about how we're kind of born with it. We come into this world with this knowledge. Um, but my question really is, where is it? Is it, is it in our brain? Um, if you look into the right hemisphere, left hemisphere theory, um, or school of thoughts that it seems to always suggest the right brain is more about intuition whilst the left brain is more about logic mm. is it really in our brain or is it as the you know layman terms sometimes call it gut feeling is it more in the guts is it actually not in the not in the brain it's actually in the guts because there are all these nerve plexus where actually it does do a lot of thinking do a lot of unconscious thinking not within our brain logical thinking but actually it's still a lot of nervous processing or is it in some way in our hearts? I think more Eastern philosophy often would say kind of the mind and the the, the kind of the true brain resides in our heart is instead of in our head. And that's why I think not just in yoga, but in a lot of meditation school, they actually asked us to focus not only in the breath, but also in the heart region. So I, I think that would be my question to start. Where is intuition if we all have it? Well, I like... First thing I like the fact that you've opened the playing field out. You've opened it out with regard to the gut. So we've got gut instinct. We've got this idea of gut, something deep in the gut. You've got also the mind. And you've also got this idea of heart as well. So these are three areas that are interesting for me as a yogi and a yoga therapist is that the if I look at the first thing is that most of us, we need a reason to do something, don't we? We need a reason. So we need an actual a brain, a, a sort of a, a reason that we can define with it. But here is that with intuition, you just know. So there's just a knowing that happens. If I look at it from a yoga perspective, intuition actually appears within yoga texts. It's, it's very interesting. In, in the third chapter of Yoga Sutra, we have this concept called prati and it means intuition now it comes into the chapter on meditation and what it's describing here is it's describing that the concept of intuition and, and it appears in in chapter 3 333 first of all it's, it's it's sort of it's talking about this idea with intuition just saying well through the meditative process where as you go through the meditative process and you understand the pattern of how things are within life, you start to begin to have access to understand both the past and also the future. And this is the first idea given within intuition, but it, it's a byproduct and an ability that comes out of meditation. So it means that actually there needs to be a special quality of mind a special type of mind and also a kind of mind needs to be involved so the, the mind has to be in a particular place for intuition to actually go through and for me it's the mind that overrides intuition and for me that's the battle between the heart and the mind so you need to have a specific state of mind in order to reach there but then the intuition resides in the heart? Yeah, but all is it that I need a specific state of mind to reach there, or is it for it to shine through? So if it comes from something deeper, because if I start to unpick um, the, the concept of, of intuition a little bit more, 
I mean, what do we say about things like clairvoyance? You know, what do I say about things like clairaudience? You know, these, the, you know, these kind of abilities that that someone has. Are these, where do these come from? Are, are they linked very much to the mind, or are they actually from something very much deeper, on the edge of something deeper? And I think here with intuition, we're looking at the edge of something deeper. And in yoga, we're looking at the, the sort of the horizon. The, the point of contact between our consciousness and matter, that is the point of interest within the subject matter. And that, for me, would be the origin of this thing, this, this horizon, this, this actual point here, okay. where there is a state of knowing. I, I quite like that because I, when I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking, would it be in our brain? And it comes back to the very mm. almost traditional model of left and right brain, where, mm. as I said already, the left brain is more logical, is all about details, mathematics, science. Mm. Um, and the right brain is more creative, more intuitive, more about thinking outside the box. I, I have always struggled struggled a little bit uh, with this theorem. And as you know, I, 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 I like to be a bit of a rapper every now and then, just because it, it feels almost too neat for our brain, how for it to be how our brain is working. And sometimes you will see that in, in like say stroke patient, and we learned that in medical school as well, we see stroke patient where they have one side of the brain or one side of the body is dysfunction. You don't see them mind completely going to like a logical overdrive or completely creative overdrive and intuitive overdrive that the the function of logic and intuition still always seems to be there and i remember i seen this video which i think it might have been shown by you colin um where it actually talk about slightly more broadly where the right side of the brain predominantly not exclusively but predominantly deal with the bigger picture mm. where there's like you have a view of overview of the whole plan is what that what the whole plan is and the left side is more about the minute details much more better in looking into the small details fine prints maybe equations so on and so forth so almost like an architect you need someone there on one side who actually oversees the whole thing but then you need all the other people or the other team members workers actually doing the tiny little you know task and bolts so that, uh, and nails so that you actually get the whole thing a whole structure erected in the right way and I think what you said was very interesting is actually in our modern day society I think we all can agree having a logical mind having a mind that's quite scientific and very very reasonable is very very useful and almost very preferable because that's how one that seems even a bit more comfortable if you can categorize things, if you can easily slot things into different categories, I don't know, like colors, like elements, like left and right side. It, it, there's a comfort in um, categorizing things and making things more logical because we can then understand things more easily, maybe things that's outside us in the environments or our interaction with other people or interaction within ourselves. But then there is this really wonderful thing about actually having a glimpse of the bigger picture and knowing kind of what, what is out there. And that is more fussy. That's less, I think some people would say less logical and less reasonable. And I think that almost kind of rings true a little bit when you talked about how meditation brings through intuitions, like kind of the both functions are there, but when you put the mind in the right state, actually the ability to see the bigger picture actually can shine through that that 
came a little bit like that for me. Okay. So for me, I agree with you because in yoga, we look at intuition as being a strong feeling of knowing beyond the mind. So if it's if it's beyond the mind, it's also beyond the ego because it means that it's something beyond the identification. It, it's and according to yoga, it's something divine. There's there's a, something divine that happens. It's it's beyond, um, it's beyond the way that we use our mind. You just you just automatically know something. So it's not that you. It's not something that you can teach or you can learn. You just know. So you have to have touched something, or something has touched you, in order for this to happen. So that. For me, that's the kind of that's the area of, of, of prati bha. It's it, it's a knowledge that's within us that actually is exposed and shines through us when we come in. There's got to be a link. There's we, we're in, we're in a link with something. So it's like we touch something. I don't know if you've seen um, there, there's. I, I got to sit down with with some of um, my stepchildren recently, and we we watched. Um, is it Wednesday Adams? Yeah, the Adams yeah. family. I haven't yeah. seen it, but I've yeah, heard of it. yeah. And and she she has to touch something, and she touches something, and suddenly her head goes back, and she gets a whole series of images. She gets something that she knows coming straight through her. Is this an ability? Is intuition an ability? That we just know we know absolutely everything based on this we touch something and we just know and the touching means that actually what's happening is we're using our senses and in yoga we've split the senses into two different areas one we split the senses into the fact that i see you and i communicate with you i'm talking to you i'm listening to you but there is a, a power behind those senses there is the power to see there is the power to hear there is the power to speak. There's the power to touch. There's the power to smell. So intuition means that it, it, it's it's almost it's beyond the physical material senses. There's something that I'm accessing where I use, I hear without actually hearing. I know someone's talking about me. Oh, your ears are burning. Someone's talking about you. You know, I know that do you see what I mean there's something we just know do you, do you know what I mean by that it's actually it's 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 deeper than the actual sense itself and this this takes me to sort of sort of into into 336 yoga sutra 336 which is actually that we can use the concept of intuition to foresee something because another definition of pratima is to foresee something and because of the link that we create with things whether those things are patterns whether those things are people we are able to foresee something we can see what's going to happen almost we can hear the way a conversation is going to happen it's a little like christmas you know we're all preparing for christmas and and doing stuff we kind of like We've, we've got that sense of we understanding the relationships that happen, the dynamics that are happening, the different conflicts that are happening between different people. You know, I want this as a present. You're like, oh, really? Um, do you see what I mean? You start to begin to understand it, but there's an edge with this as well. Because 
we can know something, it just comes to us. But as we know something and it comes to us, do we taint it? I was going to ask as well, is, is it because in your definition, there is a divineness in the ability of intuition? Is that why we often don't listen to it? We are why we almost battle against it a little bit. I, 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 I'm thinking about that because recently I've been listening to a talk on the Tibetan Book of the Dead, oh, yeah. where it's talking about bardos. Um, bardos, I think in I think in Sanskrit means pause, and it described as three bardos in life, where mm. basically it's, it's talking about the transition from between two lifetimes where you are dying from one or dead from the first one, and then into the rebirth of the next one. That's the where the three bardos reside, and the middle one is kind of the point in between the two lifetime again i'm not a scholar as i haven't actually read the book that that much yet so if i made any mistake do apologize but what i thought was very interesting how it was explained to me in that talk and that workshop was how as we transition out from one lifetime we can actually get closer closer towards the truth or the source of the truth but because we're so we're often so attached to our own ego and form and our own life and kind of in some way not the divineness we actually get a little bit afraid of the truth itself and because it's so unfamiliar to us so actually what we end up doing is actually turn away from it and run away and then get into the next lifetime mm-hmm. and I thought that was so interesting because I, I remember I told you this many many times before and because I often have thought ignorance is bliss it's quite beautiful saying and I actually think it's true because when we don't know something that we don't know actually there's a comfort in it because there's also a a lack of pain almost but when I think of that sentence ignorance is bliss in the new context of the teaching I just got from the Tibetan book of the dead actually the, the comfort itself is running away from the source of truth and actually into something that's more familiar and maybe it's more attachment. I don't know, I'm, I'm maybe completely off stream, but I've tried to hopefully illustrate a point where is it because there's a divineness in, in intuition, we, we kind of battle against it because it's unfamiliar. It's something that we don't often have. We don't put our ego to it. We don't put identity with it. What's your experience? So in yoga's perspective is that it is a point that's close to consciousness that appears and shines through us when we're in a meditative state. So it becomes an ability that is a byproduct of meditation. And if we think about the meditative process is that within the meditative process, we are, we're dealing with numbers of things. We're, dealing with understanding and being aware of how our minds are we're also understanding the interaction we're having with ourselves with battling with not knowing and when we're talking about as you just mentioned this very very subtle realm and a subtle evolution that's going on not knowing and ego form part of the biggest obstacles for us to navigate From yoga's perspective, rather than, I don't know much about um, the Tibetan perspective, even though I've had a great time in Tibet, but in 
yoga's perspective, there's a there's a text called the Sankhya Karika, which gives the evolution of something called the Bhulibhava, which is the subtle aspect of ourselves, the thing that is part of us and really us that is beyond our physical being. And it's that that knows because it's so close to our consciousness. And so they would say that intuition comes from there, but they will also say that within this, it, it's, it's at this point where you have the power behind seeing, the power behind hearing, that the abilities that could come actually shine from this point through you. So it really is, intuition really is an ability. It's a special power. It's a special power that comes. So, and it's described as like a divine, like, you know, a divine third eye. So you don't kind of see things in the way through your normal eyes. You see them in a very different way. And it's also described that with intuition, with this kind of divine thing, that you can actually do anything because it is beyond the mind and the mind is limited by the material world. And what I find interesting, did you, was it you and I that talked about magic? And what do we say with regard to magic? I think that you said something very profound on this, and I want to attribute it to you because you said that years and years and years ago, it was almost that the medical world was very magical because we didn't really understand the workings of the body and the mind in one way. And in the opposite way, we really knew who we were deep inside, but we've actually flipped completely the other way around so we understand more about the workings of the body and the mind it's not a mystery to us but almost we've lost this link to this magical world this very different world was it you i think i might have said something similar i'd love to attribute it to you I'm, I'm gonna, I, i'd love to kind of like to do that because i i, I think that for me it's there's this it's an internal, it's an internal experience, intuition, isn't it? it? And it's something very quick. I mean, it is like a flash. It's like a flash of lightning. You just know. Okay. And that, and that for me is a change. It's a change that happens right the way through you. You just know something. And I, I can know something, but then putting it into words is very difficult because then we often also try to have reasons behind the things that we know. It's like, you know, it's like not looking at a kid that's eaten all your chocolate and just kind of said chocolate around your face. You go, I know you've eaten it. And then like, why? I wasn't me. I, I didn't eat your chocolate. You know, so there's no kind of, but there's a, there's a deeper intuition. And when I'm working with clients and we're talking about different things, and I say to them, but you knew that. But you still repeated the same pattern again. And they're like, but, but I hope that it would come out differently. And I'm like, but it's not different. It's not going to be different. You knew. And so for me, it's this, this intuition, this knowledge of self. I think it's a knowledge of self intuition as well. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a realization. Something changes with when you touch something. But then this links to what you just said as well, which is with regard to trust. Because there has to be a concept of trust and belief involved in this, doesn't there? Yeah. And I remember, I've, I think I've talked about this case with you before in supervision, where 
I, I think yes, it's one one is the knowledge about yourself, but also the knowledge about the situation as well. Because I remember having this client where I was working with her on quite a serious health condition, mm. and that's a real sense of dread for her own mortality. Um, and then we were working on like a practice together. This is in yoga therapy setting, and then we're working together doing very simple movement, really bring the attention back to the breath. And she really enjoyed it. We have two really good sessions together. And then on the third one, it went well again. But then I, I, I because we were also using the elements of sound as well. So I, I was asking her to use a particular word, use a particular mantra to, mm-hmm. to the practice. And almost as soon as I gave that mantra, I know it's the wrong one. And... And I almost, almost knew as well, I don't know if it's um, facial expression has changed or the temperature of the room has changed or something. I almost immediately know that she wouldn't come back. And, and at the time I was like, uh, but I thought the practice is still good. I think it's still a good mantra. I think it was um, a mantra that's quite cooling and that's felt like what she needed at the time. So I didn't change it. Um, but then I, I was right. She she didn't come back. I think she still enjoyed the practice, but she never came back and she never got in touch with me ever again. I know that she's still doing well, but my instinct, my intuition was right. It was the wrong practice and that kind of ended the therapeutic relationship. And I think the difficulty about having this knowledge is like, oh, I've done something wrong, is I almost have to have an urge to actually explain it. I have to explain to myself like you were saying earlier on, the magic about knowing our body is I kind of know what I needed to do, but at the same time, I'm not confident about what I know. I kind of now need to go through uh, six years of medical school so that I can become a doctor, so I can explain to myself what my body's doing, what, what's the name of the particular muscle, what's the name of the bone, what's the name of the ligaments, and how do I do all this? I think there's almost an urge to actually explain things so that I can dissect and I can make make the intuition logical and that seems to be what I was doing with the case as well it's like oh was it was it because it reminded her of something was it too triggering was it the wrong sound well did I they say something else did I say something before or after so, yeah I, I think that was the battle for me so what you just said that is it is spot on with regard to most of the time we need a reason and we need to construct different reasons again and again and again in lots of different ways and here there's you just know something but when you just know something there is also that ability where does that come from you've had a hope and open heart with someone you've got a heart-to-heart connection when you're working with someone as a doctor or as a therapist and you're relating to that person through not just your sense functions but also the power behind your senses as well So rather than the sense organs, the actual function of those senses and you're linking. And again, this is an ability to know when something changes within someone that they shut down from you or they just back off from you inside. You just can feel that. Do you know what I mean? You feel that. And then the the mind kicks in and you kind of go, you want to say, have I done something wrong or can we talk through this? Or but actually, are they open to doing that? What's going on within the whole process of this and also having an intuitive ability is also quite dangerous isn't it because if you have too much intuition 
what you know is is it a dream or is it the truth do you know what i mean by this because actually what can happen is that you can know lots of different things but the big question for me is that where's the realm with regard to the truth and the dream and how do those then fit together within the intuitive state because with intuition you have not just one thing you understand the best things within someone you just know that they're a good person for say but also the worst experiences that people have as well but yeah how do you how do you validate those how do you talk about them with someone you may just know something so i my my take on that is a little bit more according to the modern psychology where we talked about is a decision that is recognition primed. So it's kind of we store all these patterns and recognitions in our brain. Mm. And sometimes maybe we're born with them because a lot of the time, if you show a baby a snake, despite never seeing a snake before, they still probably demonstrate fear. And there's something quite ancestral, ancestrals, ancestrals about, about sort of fear. I think fear is a particular one. But there are a lot of patterns that we kind of remember and store in our body, in our brain. Again, I'm not sure if it's just within our brains that in different parts of the body, but let's just for argument's sake in our body somewhere. And then how that kind of form our decision-making process, rather consciously or unconsciously. I say that because I remember a case or a patient that I met. He, he told me very, very quickly, I'm very intuitive about people. I know about people. As soon as I meet them or have a drink with them, I eat with them, I can make a decision. I know straight away. I was like, but kind of like your question, that how, how do you know? Like, how do you know you're right? Like, is it is it just you imagining it or is it you actually know what you know? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I have a really good memory. So what I've been, what I can do is if need be, I can actually recall what has happened between the interaction, even if it's just 15 minutes, half an hour, and then he can analyze it. And then there is an explanation where it seems to be the analysis is there unconsciously or subconsciously. And already the decision has been made on that level that he can actually record to the conscious level so that he knows what's going on. But this is all happening. And I think that's quite a quite interesting way of explaining intuition because in some ways it's almost like a, a, a supercomputer where there's lots and lots of algorithm logarithm, uh, algorithm algorithm um making all these process where the running of the computer seems completely smooth and you know problemless but actually there's lots and lots of things underneath guiding the process so i don't know i don't know if that answers your question that was dream and reality yeah, but so this is also, for me, it's also perhaps one of the questions is, is intuition just experience? You know, is it that actually, it's a very sort of valid question. Is it is it that actually you have a huge amount of experience and because you have that experience, you just know. And maybe this is one form of intuition. And maybe actually what we're looking at is several forms of intuition where we've actually got intuition, which is, again, built on experience, built on memory. And the fact that we can observe or see things in a particular way. And so we understand the patterns of things and have the experience of those patterns. So this could be one form of intuition. 
But what if there was also a, a different intuition, which is a, a blessing or a gift that gives particular powers or abilities? I definitely have experience of the first kind where it's experience-based and informed. Um, back in the days when I was doing an obstetrician or obstetric trainee doctor, because we do night shift and we do rather lots of night shift. Mm. And occasionally, not very often, but occasionally we get time to actually go and rest. And I remember, and I'm not the only ones, I'm not in any way shape, um, saying that is um, a special ability that I have, but a few of us often will wake up on our own. Mm. I remember viv so vividly one time, actually, I literally woke up middle of the night, I think it's like something like 320, which is like, oh, there's no emergency alarm, there's no phone call, there's no bleep. I just woke up, it's like, okay. Don't know why, but I can't go to sleep. So let's go out to the ward. And literally two minutes later, something emergency happened. I was just literally by by default, I was walking past the door. Now the patient wasn't absolutely emergency. The patient was there earlier on in the evening. So was it because unconsciously I know around that time something is going to happen, you know, by experience or bad things often happen around 3, 4 a.m. in the morning on late board, which seems to be the case. I don't know. <laughs> that's what that experience <laughs> it really is I, I don't know why that's such a weird hours you may be able to tell me why so I think the experience-based one definitely is valid because I think it's more um experience obstetrician is in my experience but also surgeons I think in my research you talked about dentists dentists or dentistry they seem to or even stockbrokers business decision but I think these are there are evidence um, experience-based intuition okay. but where's this like special ability one come from okay um help me out here so i give an example i met this lady and she she said i okay i i need some help from you and so okay so we sat down and we were talking and she explained a whole story and i looked up and i said but this is not why you're here I said, you're here because you want to get pregnant. And she burst into tears and she said, how did you know that? I said, I have no idea. I just had a feeling. Can you explain this to me? No. Nope. Do you see what I mean? So this is what I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand these different aspects so that we have these feelings about things. Do you see what I mean? And we have these feelings, but we override these feelings quite often. Quite often we don't say what we want to say or we should say. And sometimes when we connect with people, sometimes we feel things from people. And I, I, I don't does I don't know, does that make any sense? Yes, but so is there any way that we can train and use mediums or methods or tools to actually not um, enhance maybe the wrong word but enhance these ability then or get better at this ability the first time i i saw desika char work you know tkv desika char so i saw him work and he was doing a therapy class and i've told you this story quite a few times he, he, this lady came in sat down at the table and put her arms out he put his hands over and held one hand and the other hand and looked at her and he said to her have you had hepatitis 
She said, how did you know that? When I was younger, yes, I had hepatitis. Now, is it that he was feeling her pulse and actually in the pulse he felt something underneath the, you know, one of the middle fingers on either hand and it told him there was an imbalance in the liver and, you know, there was something going on within, the, you know, was it this or was it actually that there was just an intuition, there was just a kind of like he knew something or did it come from experience that he's experienced this situation before all these symptoms before in a particular way with a person i don't know have to ask him so is it explainable or is it actually unexplainable this is for me it's kind of like the question around intuition and also one of the dangers as well because if what's happening is that we have these flashes that occur like this kind of bursts of actually knowing stuff that occurs and we are right like i knew that you know i i, I knew that would happen you know i knew it and you have those kind of bursts then suddenly what happens is that sometimes we confuse the mental commentary that we have for intuition as well so there can actually be a sort of a confusion between both those worlds. I don't know. Wow. So it's like wishful thinking, do you know what I mean? You just kind of... Question number one, does it need to be explained? Mm. Because you asked, is it explainable? Is, can we, can, is it not explainable? Is that, do we need to explain it would be my question. Yeah. Or can we keep it in the realm of magic where it's unexplainable? And two, what is the cost of having good intuition? Mm. I explain my, my thinking. This is moving away from Western medicine. <laughs> so <laughs> disclaimer, this is moving away from Western medicine. Um, I, in my research, it did say intuition is good, it's quick, and usually very, very beneficial. Mm. The reason why I say it's their cost, because I, as you can see, I'm Chinese. I'm from China. <laughs> China and within the Chinese culture, there is this kind of not rule but this saying about fortune telling like rather you are doing it by astrology rather you're doing by um definition and things like that the person who's doing the definition has to pay a price because they are letting out of a bit of secret that's kept by the day de the deity or the higher realm mm -hmm. so if they keep doing it they will get punished so that that that's that is the saying within China, Chinese. Or there are some specific type of people. Maybe it's written in their own astrology or their own birthday and things like that. They can. They are allowed to actually let let these secret out. Mm. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm wondering: is there a cost to use a lot of our intuition, or are we going to get punished for it? I don't think we'll be punished for it because I think that actually. It is a it's a form of truth, isn't it? You know, intuition is a truth. You know, it is something that actually, if you think again, we if we go back to this ancient way of thinking, it was the only way to actually understand the truth, to really know something. You can't. No, no one could prove anything other than that but you just how do you really know something now we've got a lot of science which is a, almost a magical way of thinking 
But back then, you know, and you can prove lots of stuff with science, but back then that was the only way of actually understanding something really and truthfully. So I think there's a, I don't think you're punished for intuition. I think that you just know that something is true. But how you use truth also becomes important as well. I was just going to say, like all the other type of truth, you have to express it in the right way at the right time with the right person. But there's also got to be a secretive aspect to it as well, because if you know something, sometimes you need to be careful with what you say and what you do based on that knowing. So in one way, it provides a great freedom because you do know something. It, it comes out of meditation beyond the mind. But I think we also need to be careful with it too. And then it poses the question, you know, are you, is it something you're actually born with? Do we all have the capacity for it? Now I'm wondering what you're not telling me, <laughs> what you have intuitively know about me and not told me yet. Yeah, it, 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 it's so in, in yoga, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a byproduct of a meditative state. So it's, it's something that comes out, an ability that comes out of a meditative state. It, it means it can be a curse. It can be a blessing. Because anything that gives you the truth has both sides to it. So for me, thinking about intuition, it has both sides. You, you, you have the curse and the blessing. It means you start to see through other things as well and see through people and things. So in one way, we have two worlds. We have a world that is bound by time and space where we have logic and we, we sit there and we get truth through evidence. And then we have another world which is not bound and not limited by time and space, where we actually understand things in a very different way. You know, I we both know people who are tarot readers. Oh. Oh, we have seen some tarot reading together as well. And I remember mm. that there was this reading that I've observed some time ago now, mm. which is almost the maddest thing ever. So the reader was doing the car shuffling and being very specific and say okay you ask your question to this lovely lovely young girl and you have to hold a question in your mind really think about it tell your tell the cards tell tarot cards about your questions time specific what answers you want to get so on and so forth and then you lay it out there so I think it's a 10 card spread or four card I can't remember exactly um and, and I think there's something meditative about it because as you, as I've observed, there's a very intense link between the reader and the, and, the, and the girl. The question was about whether or not she will get back with her ex-boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And you can see and hear the emotion already as soon as she asked that question. Mm -hmm. And the maddest thing was that the card were drawn and then she dropped a card. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the reader's like, okay, well, just, just pick it up and show me, because sometimes drop can't mean something too. She tried to pick it up, she tried to pick it up, and she tried to pick it up and couldn't. And in the end, the reader's like, okay, that's fine, I'll, I'll pick it up. 
And guess what? Within tarot card in the Major Arcana, there's the card called the Lovers. And that's the card that she couldn't pick up. Mm-hmm. And the, the reader's like, well, I don't think we really, really need to carry on with the reading anymore because I think we got an answer. And the, I think the rest of the reading, I think the readings still continue, but the, the answer was pretty much the same. And I quite like what you said earlier on. It's like, well, I experienced things like that before where actually I, I, I witnessed it. I don't think it was a show. Don't think, don't think it was trying to drag me into pay money or anything like that. It was just something that happened that doesn't need to be explained. So you've got the link between the two people, which is a very powerful link. And then in this way, the cards themselves aren't, they are important, but yet they're not important. They become the vehicle for actually everything to play out. So again, the the cards are beyond the mind and they play beyond the mind. So rather than looking at a card and going, okay, it's this, 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 and this, and that's what this card means, and that's what this card means, it's actually everything is happening from a heart-to-heart place beyond the mind. So we're using our sense functions rather than actually our senses within those interactions. And the way that the cards are working is not intellectual at all. It means that the reader needs to be very, very strong to bear it. The person that has the intuition has to be so strong to bear these things. Because if what happens is that you get this understanding, you get these all of this stuff happening, it's too easy to react. It's too easy to, you have to be strong. You have to contain it. So I think there's a, on one side of it, there's this this ability, this intuitive ability just to know things. The other side of it is that we have to contain it in the right way so that it's useful and helpful for people. And then the final thing is that there is also a tendency when we realize we have abilities to abuse those abilities because we can use those abilities to outmaneuver other people. And so here we then start to get this edge with regard to intuitive ability. It's interesting. Thank you for your tarot card story. I really appreciated that. You're welcome. It just came to me. Yeah, no, it's good. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 a very interesting area, and in one way, it, it's it's an obstacle having intuitive ability. In another way, it's an absolute ability. For me, it comes from a like you mentioned earlier, the heart, it comes from a, a kind of like a deep, deep, deep part of you, inside of you. You just know. And if I go back to the stories that I'm seeing a lot of at the moment with regard to the people that I'm working with, is that whether it's people going through difficulty, being diagnosed with something or having issues in relationships, many of them know. They know a lot of things, but they tend to override those things with their mind. And it's the overriding of those things with the mind that actually causes the huge amount of problem that we're seeing. 
Yeah. Interesting. And then when we combine intuition with, let's say, ego and desire, we start to get problems. Yeah. So to, it's an inner divine experience. It's to achieve it, there needs to be some kind of link or some kind of unity. You know, there needs to be something, there needs to be some sort of connection to create intuition. It's opened by meditation. It's opened by a meditative process. It's not, you can't actually teach it. It's a byproduct of that process. I want to look at and, and ask you a question about the relationship with, with trust and belief and intuition. And I want to sort of sort of say, well, is there, where, where does trust come into, where does belief come into this? You know, do, is it that we have belief and we get intuition or is it that through intuition we get belief? I'm going to have to go back to my old tricks and use my lessons from movies and books and arts to answer that question. Um, because as I was thinking about this topic, the Matrix uh, trilogy came to mind, the original trilogy came to mind. Uh, one of my most favorite characters in the Matrix is called the Oracle, mm. who guided the lead character Neo in his kind of hero's journey, basically. And there's one, I think it's the second or the third one, I can't remember now. Um, she explained her role, it's, it's, it's the third one, third movie, that's it. She was explaining her role and someone else's role called the architect, who are the two characters that's in this virtual reality that is the Matrix. And kind of the architect is the most logical representation of, I don't know, the left brain, if you want to say. His job is to balance the equation. Mm. and just constantly balancing things and finding anomalies and then find ways to balance it and in very simple terms the oracle explained her job is to unbalance it her job is to simply to unbalance the equation and i find that very very interesting because that really tells me what 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 the logic intuition kind of almost battles with the reason why it came to mind was when you asked me how do you get that trust about intuition and in Neil's case, the lead character's case, she he came to Oracle to ask the question, I think, if he was going to be the one or not. Sorry, spoiler alert, but I think most people have seen The Matrix by now. Um, uh, Oracle explained, you didn't come here to make the decision. You're coming here to understand them. You can't understand something that you haven't made. And the job, uh, the process they're doing now is to understand what you have already sort it out and then kind of then make the next decision when you're ready so i guess my experience and my understanding of it is i think the intuition probably come first the trust and the belief will come after when we slowly get more and more in sync with our intuition mm. and then once we got to that stage then maybe we then have the ability to make the next intuition or make the next intuitive decision right so it's it's a sophistication of behavior. 
So there's a very sophisticated behavior that's involved in this. It's refined. It means that there is a, a huge amount of responsibility within that as well. For me, there's a, a few ways to be careful to make sure that we don't go into any traps. One is to be able to change our role at every different point in time and keep flexible with our roles. So have an equal role with each other or be able to be a leader, but also be able to follow what other people ask you to do. Because what that does is it makes sure that you keep your intuitive abilities in check so that you're able to keep flipping between those roles which challenges your ego and to make sure that you keep your abilities but also keep the capacity to interact with other people in a healthy way then also to remember that there's something greater than you something above you as well this is also very important that aspect of it also keeps this intuitive ability in check so that you don't become a power crazed megalomaniac and want to start your own country um, and also understanding about the nature of who you are to understand who you are also keeps this in check as well and so for me those sort of three areas become important about how we manage our relationship with intuition, how we watch, how we work with the truth, and also how we keep magic alive. And also understand about where this comes from, which for me is at the really at the edge of something. It's the edge of two worlds. It's like at dawn where the light just about to break. I think for me, the joy is in the conversation between the two sides of the brain, the logical side, the detailed orientated side, and the creative and intuitive overall planning side of the brain. It's the, it's the beautiful, beautiful conversation between the two that's so fascinating. Well, th thank you for this evening, Stanford. Thank you. I knew it would go when well. <laughs> You knew it too. If there's an envelope on your desk, if you'd like to open it. <laughs> <laughs> and the lucky number is. <laughs> Why is it people have intuitive ability? They can't win the lottery. What is wrong with this? <laughs> because people want to win the lottery. I knew, knew it would be those numbers. <laughs> because people have even more intuition set to lottery. So you can't win. You can't beat those guys. <laughs> It's like you can't beat the casinos. <laughs> what a great way to end 2022. So absolutely fantastic. I just, I I wish everyone a, a fantastic, fantastic um, Christmas, New Year, and all those wonderful things that you're going to do with families, friends, or not, as the case may be. It depends if you want to avoid all your family and friends, it's fine. Um, so thank you so much for for. Did I the wrong thing? No, 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 no. Thank you. And I hope you will enjoy your break as much as our break. Uh, <laughs> we'll take a little pause, but we'll come back in January 
2023. Can't right. wait. Thanks so much, Stanford. Thank you, Colin. Thank you.